Hey, y'all, this is Brian and Steven, your typical duo back for another week of the Building with Brevin podcast. Today, we wanted to dive into a term that we've talked about in previous episodes uh, called value engineering, and just touch on that in a little more detail. So uh, we look at value engineering throughout the entire build, right? I mean, as early on as it can get before even a homeowner has selected a lot all the way to things and things that we're looking at decisions that can be made uh, after the keys have been handed over in, in the warranty phase of, of the, the project after the project has been completed. So, uh, Stephen, anything else you want to mention before we jump into really just a, a formal definition that we've pulled off of Google? And then we just want to touch on different points of the process or the journey or the project that we're, we're looking at uh, in terms of value engineering and, and things that we're looking for. And, and there's a million different ways you can value engineer any project, right? So we're not here to get too far in the weeds on on all the different ways uh, you can do that, but really just reflect on some of our uh, examples of things that we have done with past clients or things that we're thinking about on any one of our builds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, welcome everybody. We're happy to be back for another week and thanks for joining in this week because this is going to be a, a fun episode. We're excited to talk about value engineering. I think it's kind of one of those buzzwords in the industry that people like to throw around, builders like to throw around, but you know, we're here today to talk about what that actually looks like, right? What is value engineering? And then break down a little bit more, uh, like Brian said, about each section of the build and how value engineering fits into that. So uh, it's going to be a good one today. You know, we're not going to get just like you just said, Brian, I mean, into the weeds on each of these things, because this is a huge topic and we could go a lot of different directions with value engineering, but it's got a lot of specifics and a lot of minute details. And um, you could really go down some serious rabbit holes on this topic, but we're going to try to keep it high level and just make the listeners aware of what's out there and what their builders should be doing to help guide them through this process to value engineer their home. So, um, yeah, you want to hit us with the definition? So there are many websites on Google that have a definition of value engineering. The one that we like the most that we pulled from the U.S. General Services Administration is Value engineering analyzes designed building features, systems, equipment, and material selections to achieve essential functions and enhance results while reducing the life cycle cost. Certainly a definition that uh, I probably couldn't come up with myself, and maybe it was, maybe it was generated by chat GPT or AI, but we like this because it does encapsulate uh, really looking or the design of the features, the systems, the equipment. I mean, it, it covers everything that we're going to touch on here, just at a, at a theoretical level. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that definition. Um, it is uh, pretty <clears throat> uh, involved, I guess, is the best way to, to put it, but it, it has a lot of good stuff in there. So, I mean, we can kind of work through that, but yeah, engineering, 
value engineering analyzes designed building systems. So that is basically your floor plan for your lot in your particular area, right? All those different things, but the designed building features, systems, equipment, and material selection. So it's every last detail of your project or your build or your new home uh, to achieve essential functions and enhance results while reducing the life cycle costs. And I think that last part, the life cycle cost is really important because it's one thing to value engineer a home from the beginning to say, this is cheaper guys. This HVAC system is cheaper if you go with a 14 SEER versus an 18 SEER system. But I think for most people, you know, they know that a 14 SEER system that is cheaper at the beginning is not gonna be cheaper in the long run, right? An 18 SEER system has better energy performance and you're gonna see that on the back end. So not to just jump right into this, but going through that definition a little bit more in detail to uh, talk through that. Well said, the life cycle cost is is critical, right? We are looking at not just the initial cost, but but the total cost over over the life of that that product application, whatever whatever it may be. Yep, yep, for sure. So so let's um, jump into value engineering in, in the lot, if that sounds good to you. Just talking in terms of yeah. the dirt first. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start, of course, right? I mean, um, that's where most people are going to start with either searching for a lot, which we talked about on a previous podcast, or already owning the lot, but trying to get the most value out of that lot. So, um, you know, I think we've got two points broken down here and and these are good points to touch on and probably the biggest things to consider when you're value engineering a lot, right? You've decided where you want to build your home as far as location, special features, that kind of stuff. While you're looking at the lot, a big thing that's going to determine this value engineering piece is where you position your home on that property or on that particular piece of land. There may be trees that you want to save or trees that would be really, really expensive and costly to cut down that you don't need to cut down those, those kind of things. Um, you know, drainage swales or drainage patterns or topography or whatever you, you may run into on your particular lot that based on where you set the home is really going to help uh, either lower the costs or it can work against you and raise your costs quite, quite significantly. So what else do you think they've run on just the positioning? I think you said that well, that if there is room and, and oftentimes we're working with what we have and we don't have a lot of wiggle room, but if you have the room to reposition the home, like you said, for trees, I mean, you could have your house uh, covered with, with the canopy of trees, some, some old, beautiful trees that give your house some shade and that, that alone will, will, reduce your energy costs, right? So there's a lot of things we're looking at on positioning, positioning the house on, on the lot for the drainage, like you said, energy, saving trees. Most people like having trees versus no trees. Another thing to consider is, and this isn't going to be for everybody, but if you pick a lot where you have quite a bit of topography, we may have to consider, or your builder may have to consider cutting into the side of the the hill or or the rock or whatever's underneath the surface and there's a lot of calculations that go into that on balancing cost versus the performance of 
of uh, it sounds funny to say the performance of the land, but basically making sure that it all drains properly and, and everything is set at the proper height. So just another example of, hey, the more we, the more earth moving that is done increases, increases lot prep costs, but could potentially, not always, but potentially, and most oftentimes decrease foundation costs to actually complete a foundation. And we're looking at slopes of driveways and uh, a lot of other variables that, that uh, you know, we've, we've quickly touched on here. Yeah, good point, Brian. And um, as far as when you're searching for a lot, if you have not already identified one, another thing, just trying to keep this real broad and not specific to Central Texas, of course, there's different locations in the U.S. that have, of course, different soil types, different topographies, just different geography that they're working with. And that's why working with a local home builder uh, uh, is really going to save you a lot of heartache and can save you quite a bit of money as well. They might know literally streets over in the same neighborhood that you're looking at might have better soil or less rock or um, something that can support your foundation better. So that's why it is good to have a local expert opinion and, you know, trying to bring a builder in from a different city or somebody who's not familiar with your general location um, is not always the best move. Even if they are cheaper on their builder fee, they might not know some things in the local jurisdictions that could cost you money on the long run. So that's why it's so hard when you're comparing builders to really know um, an apples to apples comparison. So I think that probably wraps up the lot in value engineering of the lot on the land. So moving on to the next point is going to be value engineering in your floor plan or when you're working with an architect and that whole design team. Um, you know, what exactly does that look like? And we've got a couple of points written down here and just some things we can touch on as you are working with an architect. And ideally, you have roped in a builder as well, um, getting that builder's input throughout the design process is going to be very, very beneficial. Some things that came to our mind that are just touch points, but I'm sure there's many, many more. Um, you know, the width and the height of certain rooms for dimensional lumber versus LBLs and versus even steel framing, um, sometimes or metal framing, when you get to certain widths and depths of a room or even heights, they don't make dimensional lumber for that kind of thing. So you have to think, okay, is this kicking us from wood to metal? And of course, metal framing with big I-beams and other things gets you into a different price range as far as uh, your structural components of the home. So that's one touch point there, Brian. I think when we talk about the floor plan and design of, of the home, this is where value engineering becomes even more important, right? On the lot, there's, there's less, uh, still important and there's a lot of variables, but there's less to look at compared to when, okay, we have a, we have a custom floor plan that has been specifically designed for you. And uh, this house has never been built before. So there's a lot of things to look at and you touched on one of them. Another one is, just as an example, the size of the windows. A lot of people want windows in certain locations for certain views. And most people like bigger windows over, over smaller windows. And uh, that's, that's great. And it's something that 
we like to make sure that to listen to that, hey, we can do that. But if we go with a, a window of this size or a different type of window, that's still going to give you the effect of seeing that view that you may have or the I want to be able to see the sunset or whatever it may be uh, can can reduce some costs and still give you that same effect. Right. So just a minor example, but that's another one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, as minor as it is, these are the kind of things that add up throughout the whole design process and can really end up with bigger savings. Um, you know, you add tens, hundreds of these together and you're getting good savings there. And not only the size of the windows, but also the type of the windows. You know, some of these new plans are going modern or want to have casement windows, for instance, or other types of fancy windows, whereas a single hung window or even a room that could support a fixed window, just a solid pane of glass, um, is going to save you money there and also not cut through your view with uh, some frame components of the window. So that's just one of those small things that us as builders, we're constantly looking at that kind of thing, materials that are going into the builds um, in providing advice throughout the entire process where we know current costs of building materials and um, really every aspect of the home and the general consumer doesn't know that kind of stuff. They specialize in other things like being a physician or being a lawyer or whatever, right? And they may not have as good of a touch or a pulse on building costs. And that's where it really helps to rope in a builder who's in touch with all that and can advise every step of that design process way. Um, yeah, and one other thing we had written down here is just maximizing square footage utilization. There's some architects that design some really nice looking things, really pretty, really fancy. But in the end, I mean, do you want your home to be really livable and functional or do you want it to just present big in spaces that maybe don't need that space like um, entries and foyer, you know, and other places in your home that maybe there's oversized rooms that don't need to be that big. Um, and so that's something that a builder that sees these plans turn into real life, whereas the architect typically just designs them and doesn't see them come to fruition. A lot of times, sometimes they do. Um, that's where the builder can really put their opinion in and say, Hey guys, I don't think this needs to be that big. You could possibly dial this back. Now, some people want a very spacious home. So the size and square footage isn't their top priority, but that's just an example once again. Yep. That's a good one. And we've seen floor plans oftentimes unintentionally that have what we would call for lack of better terms, just wasted space where you have unnecessarily long or wide or, poorly designed hallways that hey that gets you to another spot in the house but it still has to be bit it still has to be built excuse me it's still adding up the square footage and everything still has to be finished there in terms of trim and flooring and paint and drywall so it's it is important and that's that is about optimizing the space mm-hmm I want to touch on just maybe some last couple of points here, and then we'll move on to the next phase of the building process. But um, it, value engineering even comes down to at this early in the process, when you've selected your lot and hopefully a builder has put their insight into it, 
sometimes it makes more sense to do a two-story if that's conducive for your living style and your family situation and whatever else, and you're open to a two-story, sometimes it makes more sense to go vertical with the house because you save money on a, an aggressive foundation, um, you know, or things like that. I mean, there's just so many different caveats or avenues throughout the build that a builder can put their insight in and help value engineer something. Absolutely. So as we move through certain aspects of the build, there's, there is value engineering that can be done when it comes to some of the interior design and more of the specific selections. selections being electrical fixtures, plumbing fixtures, uh, countertops, appliances. So uh, we, we recognize that, you want what you want and that fits your tastes and your style. And uh, everybody has a look that they are going for, right? And so it is not our job or our time or place to, to get in the way of that, right? And we don't, we don't really want to. What we want to do from a value engineering perspective is give you advice or, or just point out ways that you can still get that look when we're talking about selections that uh, will save you money. So for example, one that, that we have recently uh, just discussed with, with a home that we're building for some clients right now, uh, they had selected a different countertop material for every single countertop in, in their home. Well, the way you order countertop slabs is they all come in standard dimensions and they have to be custom cut, of course, based off of the size of each of the, the countertops. So what, what is happening is there tends to be a lot of, of excess material or waste, and that adds to the cost, right? So just simple things like pointing out, hey, if you are willing to have some of the same countertops in multiple rooms can reduce quite a bit of material costs, not labor, but, but material costs because you just have less, less waste. So one example, and there's, there's many more. Yeah. Good points there. And I would also add that it's not even just the interior selections. It's also the exterior selections of the home, which can add up pretty heavily as well. The stucco stone brick, whatever masonry you choose to use on the exterior, um, even now people, you know, with wood siding or fancy wood, um, tongue and groove material, there's all kinds of things on the exterior of the home that there's plenty of different options. And without knowing those as an, as a general consumer, um, you may just pick the one that you saw on Pinterest or online and you really liked, it might not be the cheapest solution, right? So that's where a builder really can chime in and say, hey, if you're just going for this look and you're not married to this particular brand, we've got something else that is going to suit you guys just as well and for a, a much cheaper price point. So that's a good example on the exterior. Like you said, Brian, on the interior, you've got your countertops. There's little things like that throughout the whole home that, hey, you guys want level five sheetrock finish, which is a smooth finish. You guys can get something very, very close at a level four imperfect smooth finish that's going to give you almost the same look, um, but it doesn't cost nearly as much. So just little things like that. And these are such 
um, small examples, but like we said, I mean, when you start adding this stuff up throughout the whole build, you're going to see some pretty significant savings if, uh, if that's what you're going for, you know, and some people, they're not too worried about their budget or, or their price. And I think, uh, they may be few and far between, but if that is, then you know what, would they may appreciate the feedback from the builder, but they'll still choose to go with the name brand. So, um, to each his own. And that's why we're covering this in a separate pod or a separate episode, all of its own value engineering, that if this is something that most people are interested in, this is a good episode for them to listen along with. And I, I think it's important to note that don't feel overwhelmed by all of these details or these examples that, that we give, right? This is why it's, it's even more important to, Find that builder once again. You said that word tr- that you trust that that uh, they can guide you, right? You're not expected to know this, nor nor do you have probably the time to go do a bunch of this research and figure out how to optimize this, right? And that that's what we are here for. That's what we believe good professional custom home builders are, are here for to to guide you on this journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it comes through repetitions too, where if even somebody went out and built just a single home on their own, they might see some of this stuff throughout that one build, but a builder that builds tens, hundreds of homes throughout their career, um, maybe even thousands, they've seen these things come up so many different times. They've seen so many different ways to slice this cake that, um, it it's really something that they can give much more insight on since they've got that experience, they've got those repetitions and they've seen it before over their, their time. So um, yeah, moving on. I think the next thing is going to be value engineering and building. So you've made all your selections, you've got your floor plan, you've picked the right lot with the help of a builder. And then we, um, you move on to value engineering throughout the build. And so when you're value engineering throughout the build, um, there's going to be things that come up such as maybe moving a door or changing a door to a different swing or something along those lines. And those are just two really small examples once again, but throughout the build, there's typically better ways to do things, even from everything that was designed from the architect, as much as the builder put their insight in before the build, things are always changing. I mean, even if it's simply a a layout, feature of the home that prevents HVAC from running efficiently to the other side of the home. There may be some changes that need to be made on the fly and, uh, and could help bring down HVAC costs and ultimately your energy bill and all that kind of stuff. So once again, just a small example, but um, value engineering throughout the build is pretty critical as well. And this is where hiring a, a knowledgeable custom home builder that is thinking about the scheduling is really important. Just another example that uh, you as the homeowner may not even be aware of, but uh, optimizing the the scheduling of subcontractors and trades. So uh, you could have, let's say, for example, you have a, a landscaper come out to to haul off a bunch of material, but they could also be doing something else while they're there, like maybe uh, grading for for the actual preparation of, of the, the landscape finishes with, with sod and, and other flower beds and things like that. So 
there are, and, and when we talk about value engineering from the actual building process, there might be a lot of things that are taking place to minimize costs or minimize trip charges or reduce them uh, that, that you may not even see or be made aware of. But we as the builder are thinking about those things because whether you're in a cost plus or a fixed price contract, it doesn't matter. It's still a cost that if it doesn't have to be realized or, or a cost that doesn't have to and be had that why have it right so that there's there's a lot of optimization and value engineering and in scheduling and, and working with the trades too it's a fantastic point and i'm glad you brought that up because even just on the scheduling aspect if you have a builder or even if you're building a home yourself um, and you wait till the very last minute or what you think is a long enough lead time to get some of these people on schedule the price may go up. You know, you waited too long to get your garage doors and then you're in a rush and you've got to pay more for an expedited fee or whatever else. So a, a reputable builder that can plan and schedule accordingly and has built multiple homes and knows the lead times currently and in the neighborhood or in that particular market uh, can order, for instance, garage doors or windows or sliding glass doors or some of these things that have outrageous lead times. Um, and you're not pinched whenever you get to the point where you need them and they're either holding the build up because you didn't order them early enough for the builder or whoever didn't order them early enough. Um, and then you're waiting and sitting on a house and a construction loan and other things that can't progress because of certain materials, or um, you pay an expedited fee to get the materials there earlier. And that's an additional cost. So just like you were saying, Brian, that's a really good point on scheduling that, you know, a, a reputable builder can, really plan that accordingly and make sure the house is flowing smoothly and not just jumping from step to step. Um, yeah, I think a good way to wrap this up is going to be to just touch on this last value engineering point that we have real quick, and that's going to be uh, value engineering and warranty. So of course, once the home is completely built, the homeowners move in. Um, I would say almost all or most builders should offer a warranty. And that warranty, when items arise, which they always do, there's never been a perfect home built in history, um, things will come up. And when they do, there's many different ways that warranty items can be handled. Now, it goes back to the scheduling, it goes back to the materials, it goes back to a lot of different things from the build and from the design and from everything. But to have the builder's perspective and input into it is really, really helpful uh, as far as making sure that they're addressing those items correctly or there's warranty issues correctly. And um, for that reason, sometimes just giving an example there, right? Say you've got um, a scratch countertop and you think, oh my gosh, we have to repair the or replace this whole thing. So tear it out, put a new one in. Of course, that's going to be a, a cost, a huge cost either to the builder or whoever. And it's a huge inconvenience and it's a long lead time and it's a wait and it's it's just not the maybe not the way to go about it you know sometimes when scratches on a countertop can be buffed out and polished and back to brand new uh, like they never even happened so that's maybe the piece there is just to get across there's multiple ways to slice cake like we said before and warranty is no different you know there's not always uh, one way to do things and just making sure that your builder and you are going about those items the correct way. So anything to add there, Brian? I don't have anything to add there. More just as we wrap this episode up, we hope that we have 
helped you see the value in finding a builder and working with a builder sooner rather than later. As we talked about, we have already touched on selecting a builder in one of our previous episodes, but this should hopefully clarify some of the reasons above and beyond what we already discussed of why, right? Value engineering is just a fancy term for a lot of things that we're doing on a daily basis uh, with or without your involvement as the homeowner. So really that's what we hope you get out of this episode is that the earlier you pull the right builder in is we like to say, this is a journey. It's going to make your journey that much more pleasant. Awesome. I think that's a great way to wrap this episode up. So yeah, Brian, thanks for your time and being on this episode as always. And I think with that, we'll wrap this one up and catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Stephen. Good talking.